um, that causes them to live longer and have like much, much less disease than we do over here in the U.S. The World Health Organization, I mean, here's this international group, has said that everybody on the planet should be following the Mediterranean diet for the health benefits. They have much lower rates of depression and anxiety than we do. I think there's a lot we could learn about a Mediterranean lifestyle that we need to adapt. Ready to live at the higher vibrations, where peace, love, joy, and good health are the daily standard? That's what this show is all about. Welcome to Vibe. And here's your host, Robin Openshaw. Hey everyone, it's Robin Openshaw. Welcome back to the Vibe Show. It's January here in Park City, Utah, and it is very, very cold. We are going to uh, we're going to try cross-country skiing tomorrow for the first time. Uh, but we've been doing a lot of downhill skiing and have played a little bit of pickleball. Have you heard of pickleball or have you played it? It's super fun. Um, and I, we played it with friends and family. And while the kids were here from college break, we played a little bit. I have my high school uh, friends coming in for a little mini reunion at the end of January here. So gearing up for that, I'm going to have a whole bunch of them in my house. We're literally buying um, those blow up mattresses for the floor because too many people to fit in my house. So busy for a cold January in Utah. And meantime, a dear friend of mine, Dr. Stephen Masley, is a medical doctor, cardiologist. Um, he's just come out with a new book, and the timing is really, really great because uh, the Mediterranean diet is getting so much press. And I want you to know a little bit more about what the Mediterranean diet is as he talks to us about his new book. He's a medical doctor, a nutritionist, and a trained chef. Uh, I think I've had him on the show once before. But he's a fellow with the American Heart Association and with the American College of Nutrition. He just sold his clinic and he and his wife are really traveling all over the world and in fact, the Mediterranean, studying food and studying what people eat and also just enjoying their semi-retirement. So his previous books have been about uh, how lifestyle choices affect brain function and heart health and aging. He's written books like The Better Brain Solution, The 30-Day Heart Tune-Up, 10 Years Younger, and another of his books is called Smart Fat. And he's also published extensively in the medical journals. So I am looking forward to getting on his boat pretty soon. We keep talking about it for about the last year and a half, but I think it's really going to happen this summer. But he uh, is a clinical associate professor with University of South Florida, and Dr. Stephen Masley and his wife split their time between their close by in St. Petersburg, Florida, and of course, sailing on their boat in the Mediterranean. So welcome back to the Vibe Show, Dr. Stephen Masley. Hey, I'm delighted to be back with you, Robin. So how long you been off the sailboat? We've been home for three months, and it was an amazing trip. And um, it's been great. I'm really looking, I'm really excited about the book coming out. It's, you know, like having a baby and, you know, helping this baby launch into the world and make a big difference. And it's, I think it's going to really be great. So do you write, um, did you work on your book while you're out sailing for weeks or months at a time? Absolutely. I mean, I did most of the intense research before we left. I literally tried to download, search and download and read about a thousand scientific articles on health aspects of the Mediterranean diet. 
but I did quite a bit of the some of the writing and also the recipe testing. A lot of the recipe testing happened on the boat. So I know you and I are getting on the phone next week to talk about a different issue of which of your um, sailboat excursions John and I are going to come out with you on. We're very excited about it. We've been talking about it. But where's the last place that you sailed and where's the next place you're going? So the last place we were was in Greece, um, you know, looking at Greek recipes and Greek culture. And we left our boat there. And when we head back, we will be in Greece. But the first thing we do is literally sail to Turkey and go down the Turkey-Turquoise coast. Um, looking at Turkish culture, recipes, and of course, having some fun. Yeah, nobody's more qualified to write a book about the Mediterranean diet than you. I mean, not only are you a heart doctor and a chef, but you also are literally sailing around the Mediterranean, learning everything you can about about food. So this this is going to be exciting. So right before I was going to interview you and right before your book on the Mediterranean diet came out, I saw that one of these organizations, you'll have to remind me who it was, but I saw that, you know, one of these organizations that ranks all the diets and of course, keto diet was dead last. And I've like over talked about that with my audience because I'm really worried that people are going to go overeat fats. And so I've done that one to death, but number one, good timing for your book. I don't know if you paid them off or what. Number one was the Mediterranean diet. So talk about that. Yeah, I mean, the the U.S. News and World Report rated the Mediterranean diet as number one for the overall diet, number one for a healthy diet, number one for plant-based diet, number one for diabetes diet, and the number one easiest diet to follow. I mean, so that's amazing, right? That the diet that's easiest to follow turns out to be the best for your health. And something they didn't rate was how delicious the food was. But if they'd rated delicious... I'm sure it would have rated number one for delicious too, because you've got this amazing combination of Spanish, French, Italian, Greek, Northern African, Turkish dishes. I mean, it's such an amazing combo. Yeah. So I think you're making a really good point that it's really um, versatile and there's just so much you can do with it. I think people should know what what your diet is. I mean, you didn't just decide to go plant-based. And and first of all, I'm really frustrated with what's happened to the word plant-based. People who literally eat 50% animal products are calling themselves plant-based because they eat a vegetable or two here. But I believe, you can correct me if I'm wrong, I believe that you and Nicole, at least you, have been vegan for decades. Am I wrong? Well, I was. I think I was vegan for 10 years and I do eat seafood now. So I'm not vegan or vegetarian anymore. So I'm more what pesky vegetarian, I guess, would be the best way to describe me. Um, and I did for the book, because some people eat poultry, I put poultry in. But to me, plant-based, at, me, a little, at least 80%, preferably 90% of what you, should, what you eat should be plant-based. That's how I look at it. Um, 50% would be kind of a, I would call that a joke to call that plant-based. It doesn't come, it doesn't come near enough. So, because most of the the key foods in the Mediterranean diet that I have people add every day are vegetable, fruit, beans, nuts, extra virgin olive oil. Um, They get to spice it with lots of herbs and spices, and they can drink some red wine, and they can have some tea and coffee. And those are the everyday foods that are essential to the Mediterranean diet. So I think it really is a plant-based diet. What they get on occasion, if they choose, you don't have to. You could be vegetarian and follow this. You could be vegan and follow it. 
that you would you would end up having some occasional poultry seafood um and um dairy but those are already essential parts of it well so it's the most studied diet it's the most uh there's just literally you'll have to tell me what you think how many studies there are un- underpinning how healthy the Mediterranean diet is and how low disease risk is for people who follow it for many years. But tell us about that. Tell us about, wh- I mean, why isn't everybody in America eating the Mediterranean diet? Well, you know, so the U.S. News and World Report thinks we all should be. And the World Health Organization, I mean, here's this international group has said that everybody on the planet should be following the Mediterranean diet for the health benefits. So, I mean, we know that when they've done randomized trials and they compared a low-fat diet with a Mediterranean diet, people had less heart attack, less stroke, and less cardiovascular events overall. I mean, it was better. And when they compared a low-fat diet to a Mediterranean diet, the Mediterranean people diet had their cognitive brain function improved. They got mentally sharper and quicker. Those on the low-fat diet actually had an accelerated rate of memory loss and cognitive decline to the point they had a higher percentage of people develop Alzheimer's disease in less than five years. Okay, because some some of the vegan uh, authors, um, especially those who are treating heart disease, I'm thinking, uh, gosh, McDougal, Furman, Cornish, yep, they, they've been putting people on a very low-fat diet. Are you saying they're on the right track, but higher fat even for people with cardiac disease? Yeah, here's what I would say. I think those diets are clearly better than the standard average American diet, which has terrible fats in it, terrible carbs, and awful protein. I mean, the standard American diet is the worst diet of all time. So compared to that, these, you know, um, ultra low fat, vegetarian diets are clearly better. But I think that the evidence is adding more healthy fat, olive oils and nuts to a vegetarian diet improves it, improves cognitive performance, improves cardiac outcomes. You don't have to be on an ultra low fat version of these to benefit. And I actually think that, you know, the the evidence is very strong that healthy fat is good for you. Okay, I think it's Dr. McDougall. But I want to say Dr. Esselstyn says this same thing that oils specifically, not the fats and nuts and seeds, but oils, like extracted oils, um, will damage the epithelial lining. And so people specifically with heart disease should avoid oils. Do you, do you feel like, cause I mean, you've been treating heart patients for decades yourself. I, I, that's just not accurate. I mean, when you think of endothelial function, you think of blood pressure. And when you give people extra virgin olive oil, their blood pressure improves. So, I mean, we decrease cardiovascular events when we add olive oil. So, now, many oils are really damaged. So, I don't, I'm not suggesting any oil. I don't even suggest regular olive oil because it's been processed with chemicals and treated with heat, and it's a damaged oil. So, if you're going to use olive oil, I would only suggest extra virgin olive oil. And there's a little truth to the fact that it's hard to kind of find the right type. If it's, you know, if it's cheap and comes in a plastic bottle, it's probably not the real thing. Okay. And I think, I think people are concerned about this because there's been so much media lately about how a lot of 
uh, what is masquerading as olive oil out there is actually cut with canola oil. And I have an employee who has an allergic reaction to canola oil. So if I were guessing at brands, I'd just send it to Zoe and have her be like the the queen's taster or whatever, but that wouldn't be very nice if it actually ended up having canola oil in it. How how do you go about, if you're here on the mainland, we're not sailing the Mediterranean, finding these amazing brands that you probably have access to because you're actually in Europe a lot. How do we know? How do we know which brand to trust well, buying olive oil? I mean, like the uh, extra virgin olive oil from California, there's a whole group that is, has a certified you know, it's certif- it's California certified as or- as original organic extra virgin olive oil. You know, so they do have certification that it's not been cut and it's been tested, and you can get that stamp of approval on it if it you know produced in California, for example, and uh, other places in Australia are following that similar trend. So you can find it out there. Um, I think partly it's just some common sense you know when you see a big bottle in a big plastic bottle of olive oil that's really cheap you should wonder is this really the good stuff so yeah i I would look i think it's worthwhile to look for certification and and when they're freshly pressed and things like that they taste better too olive oil goes bad over time so i mean there's several things about the harvest date is it certified um, and then most important is not to cook with it at high heat, you know, just to use low heat or medium heat for cooking. And if you want to cook something at high heat, you should use avocado oil or almond oil or a different oil instead. Those are, to me, the most important things to know about extra virgin olive oil. Okay. And you kind of took the standard Mediterranean diet and your book, The Mediterranean Method, coming coming out right now, you made it friendly for people wanting to lose weight and for heart health. What what tweaks did you make? Tell us about that. Well, in studies, they looked at the Mediterranean diet and they broke it down into glycemic load. How much like sugar do you get in your diet while following the Mediterranean diet? What they found was the lower the glycemic load and following a Mediterranean diet together produced the best results. So a low, and I've always recommended like for a better brain, that was a big part of my better brain solution to improve brain function was to lower sugar low because sugar is the number one cause for heart disease and it's the number one cause for memory loss. So we don't want foods that cause our sugar levels to soar. So what that means is most of these Mediterranean cookbooks out there, they are loaded with huge portions of pasta, rice, um, bread, pizza. I mean, that's a very high glycemic load and that's not a healthy way to eat Mediterranean food. I mean, as an example, if you eat pasta in Italy, it's an appetizer course on a little salad plate. It's not a big dinner platter that each person eats. That's like crazy. So it's, it's really about addressing a lower portion size of high glycemic load foods, especially bread or rice or pasta or things like that, and eating them in small portions and really focusing on vegetable, fruit, beans, nuts, olive oil, um, spices, and herbs. Uh, those are the critical things we need to eat more of, not the um, sugary, starchy carbs. Okay, so we we do have to point out, though, that it's been very popular this last decade to talk about low carb, and the Mediterranean diet is not that. Talk about that. So there's a difference between low carb and low glycemic. 
low carb is basically, and just like there is between low fat and smart fat. I mean, a smart fat diet is you eat more avocado and you eat more nuts and you use olive oil when you cook or you co- and you can cook with avocado oil, but you're not eating bad fats. Just like that, if you're going to eat more carbs, which I you know encourage in vegetables and fruits and beans and nuts, those are good healthy carb sources. We should eat more of them, but I have people... I think to get the best outcome from eating those, you would like smaller portions of the really high glycemic load foods, like anything with flour, crackers, breakfast cereal, bread. Those are That's a high sugar load food. You don't want to eat that in a large portion. It doesn't physiologically make sense, and it's not good for our health. So I think most of the Mediterranean cookbooks way overdo the carb load, the glycemic load, and um, it's unbalanced. So I'm trying to come up with a, I have a low glycemic version of a Mediterranean diet that has the best health benefits, but the food's still delicious and it's still super easy to prepare with easy recipes. And you started eating um, seafood. Is that related to the fact that most people, even those who are supportive of vegan diet, feel like you need more protein over 60 so much that for me on a personal level, what it was is um, for a while I was testing positive for gluten and to be, I think it was a challenge to be gluten for me personally. I mean, some people could do it, probably do it easily, but I found it challenging to be gluten free and to be vegetarian at the same time. I totally agree. And people don't, people don't talk about that, but if you're going to cut out, for instance, if you know, right now, Legumes and grains are definitely out of vogue, which make a huge appearance in the Mediterranean diet. But if you're going to get rid of, uh, if you're going to get rid of legumes and grains to get enough calories, you're not going to be able to also be vegan, right? So it was it was a challenge. It wasn't that I couldn't do it, and also, I mean, both my parents have had a lot of arthritis, and I've always had inflammatory like joint issues, and now that I'm 64. Um, I'm a young guy at 64, but I'm 64. I, I notice I have some arthritis. And adding seafood or fish oil for me really has made a difference in decreasing my inflammation levels. So I have personally benefited, I think, by adding these long chain omega 3s. You know, maybe I could have tried doing it with some DHA algae supplements. That's possible. And I think that's, that's what other people, if they really want to be vegetarian, and I still recommend they should be getting either eating seaweed every day as their seafood source and or taking a DHA supplement. Um, but for me, just lifestyle-wise and having a family and kids and all that, it just seemed the easiest was to add seafood to my life. So that's what happened on, for me on a personal level. Okay. What are some of the things that people think about the Mediterranean diet that aren't true? Well, like uncontrolled grain portions like pasta and bread and rice. No, that's not, as we, so we've already been talking about that. That's not true. Another common myth is about extra virgin olive oil. You can cook with it all for everything and use it as your only fat source. Well, as I've mentioned, you shouldn't cook with it at high heat. So that's not true either. Another one is that you can just add olive oil to everything and that makes it good enough that it's healthy like you can put olive oil on your cornflakes and well no <laughs> i mean olive oil yes is an oil we should use but the key benefits are also vegetable fruit beans and nuts those are the 
Those are the key components. And you can't leave out vegetable, fruit, beans, and nuts and think it's going to be a healthy diet because those are big, important parts of the Mediterranean diet. And maybe just one other example of a myth is, you know, red wine. Yes, um, with the Mediterranean lifestyle, you end up drinking a glass or two of red wine with dinner. That's just like a normal everyday habit. And it has it's beneficial in that amount. But some people are like, that means I get to have a bottle or two a day, right? And I'm like, no, no, no. If you were on a cardiac drug, would you take, and they said take one a day, would you take four? No, it might cause real harm. And excess red wine is too much. So you should drink a lot of water and a little bit of red wine. So those would just be examples of four common Mediterranean myths that I think everybody should know. And what about white wine, higher in sugars, lower in micronutrients or what? Well, it's certainly lower in in nutrients. I mean, when we look at all alcohol, hard liquor and drinking even a small amount, one serving a day of hard liquor or beer increases your risk of cancer. Um, Wine doesn't as much and red wine less than white wine. Red wine has more nutrient polyphenols and all these important chemicals that have health benefits. So Red wine is clearly, if you drink alcohol, and I don't think every, there are people who probably shouldn't, like if you can't limit your amount to a modest and take every day, then don't drink. I don't think everybody should drink alcohol because not everyone can control their consumption. So, um, you know, one to two servings a day or skip it and drink more water and herbal teas and, and you know, the, those that's a really good Mediterranean ideas. Most things you don't get in excess, especially when it comes to alcohol. So besides the food that people are eating in the Mediterranean who are actually eating true to their culture and heritage, what else do they have going for them that causes them to live longer and have like much, much less disease than we do over here in the U.S.? So this is, that's a really good question because you know, before I went on the boat, I read about this, but being on the boat, here's the things I could see. People are out walking, jogging, going around every day. People grocery shop, they walk to the grocery store almost every day or every other day. They're, they're far more active than we are. Um, so they're not only outside walking, but they're jogging, they're swimming, they're bicycling. They do, they're much more likely to go be, work out outside with nature than they are to go to a gym, which is very different than the culture in the U.S. So activity is one. Um, two is that they tend to cook and shop to, in like groups or together or in camaraderie. camaraderie. They you know, the little, the neighbors will go shopping together and they'll cook together. And there's a social interaction all around food that has nothing to do with eating it. And, and when they do eat, the meals are long and leisurely. I mean, in seven months, honestly, I don't think Nicole and I ever went out to eat in less than like 75 to 90 minutes. Never. You couldn't get served in that amount of time and leave. It's not, you know, fast food. So they they have a long, leisurely lunch and dinner with people almost every day. They don't eat in front of a computer or a, in from the TV or with their phone. They talk and they taste their food. They have very mindful eating. I just think, and, you know, they it's interesting. They have all this social interaction every day. 
especially with family, they have much lower rates of depression and anxiety than we do. I think there's a lot we could learn about a Mediterranean lifestyle that we need to adapt, not just the food. The food is fabulous, um, but the life, there's several things about the lifestyle that have added benefits, and I can't wait for you and John to see those on the boat next summer. Yeah, I think I think we're going to come right after my Swiss retreat. I'm doing two this year, and the first one ends June 7th, so I'm, I'm definitely thinking about that leg of your journey and joining you. Um, but you're talking about how while people eat, they also socialize, and they really take their time eating a meal. Reminds me of every time I go to Switzerland, because I'm going twice this year, I go again in October, and, and every time I go, I like have to tell people, hey, the gala dinner on Friday night after we do our liver flush, um, the gala dinner is an event and you have to tell Americans that because otherwise they're like, hey, the soup was served 20 minutes ago. Like, are they ever going to get our next course out? And I, and I tell them, listen, dinner's going to take two and a half hours. It really is. And so just like settle in for a European experience. This is how I get my you know, North American liver detoxers to set aside what they think a meal is and what they think healthcare is and what they think um, about a lot of things. But I, I like tell them in advance, like, don't be in a hurry for this meal. Okay. The point isn't the food. The point is the experience and, you know, the getting to know each other. And that's one of my favorite things about going to Switzerland is that we sit together at lunch and sometimes when lunch is over, we're still sitting there at the table for another hour until somebody has to leave for their their treatments. But I, I do love that. And, you know, Sue, my um, podcast producer, who's always here with me, if I'm talking on this podcast, she's, she's my backbone. She produces it. She helps me with the show notes. But she and I have been talking about the very real phenomenon that is... American loneliness and how we are set up to be so socially isolated. I mean, we're like so exposed to so many people online and then and then not that meaningful energy exchange that happens one to one. So I'm excited to hang out with you. Hopefully this is the year that we actually make that happen. It's quite a thing. I, I think I have to like fly to Crete or something and I'm like, well, I, do they have a runway long enough in Crete? I'm kidding. But um, tell us tell us about the recipes. Let's leave on the food note. Tell us about what kind of recipes you developed. I'd love to go to the recipes, but I want to comment on what you just said. The difference is when I look at people eating in a restaurant here in the U.S. compared to in Europe or on the Mediterranean, in the Mediterranean, you see them talking about the food and laughing and joking, and they're having this leisurely, wonderful conversation. When I look at people eating in a restaurant in the U.S., it almost seems like half the time they're not even interacting and they're on their phones. That's lonely. That's a lonely meal out in a restaurant with another person that you're not even talking to. I mean, that. I, so when you said that, it just brought that visual image to my mind. I just had to share it. I mean, we could do a lot better at being social and interactive and have leisurely fun meals here. I think it would really go a long way. So I, I just wanted to hammer home because I think you made a really important point. And I didn't want us to miss that chance. So recipes. Well, I love the recipes in this book. Here's the biggest thing. They're pretty easy to prepare. They're not elaborate multiple cooking steps. When I go to a, the market and I'm buying something, I ask, what's good and fresh? And I say, how would you make this? And they always say, keep it simple. 
you know, you get a couple spices, a little olive oil, you saute, you cook it, you do this, you freshen it with a little bit, you know, dressing, you know, but it's colorful, it's flavorful, it's easy to prepare, and it's delicious. And it's don't make it too complicated is something they always say. Yeah, I love that. I'm going to read some of the recipes, grilled asparagus with olive oil and lemon, roasted beet, leek, and kale salad, sautéed kale with garlic and lemon zest, za'atar, sautéed fennel and spinach with farro. I bet most people listening don't know what za'atar or farro is. It's a blend of Eastern spices and some sesame seed. It's really, it's a wonderful Eastern Mediterranean spice combo. Gigantes. Gigantes are fava beans. Yeah? Yes. Big. Those, you know, those are so popular to have beans as a side dish. Almost every, at least I'd say every day there's a bean as side dish being served when we're out eating. They eat lots of beans. They do it with tomato sauce. They do it with garlic and parsley and olive oil. I think, you know, come of the classic things are just vegetable dishes are so simple. Swiss chard, kale, spinach, something. You cook it with a little olive oil. You add a touch of salt and pepper, a little lemon juice, and maybe some little herbal spice like thyme or oregano or rosemary. Um, it's it's usually five to ten minutes, simple, easy, super flavorful. These classic combos you see over and over again. Mm, yummy! I'm gonna try this ratatouille with cannellini beans. This looks delicious. It is. Um, what's uh, what's your favorite thing to cook? Like desserts or? Oh, it's probably dinner. You know, and in dessert in Europe, it's really you know. Most of the time we get dessert in a restaurant, it's free. They give you fruit. If you order an appetizer and a main course, glass of wine, automatically, 90% of the time, they'll give you melon or grapes or berries or something at the end of your meal. So, I mean, they have fancy desserts, but dessert in Europe is usually means fruit. You have fruit after your meal and you do it while you're still sitting you don't like grab an apple and eat it while you're walking away you're still sitting with people and you eat it with a nice and you know knife and fork it always comes sliced or something like that so um i really like this combination of you know flavors they use the garlic the mediterranean herbs um you know like italian herbs or herbs de provence there's so many great combos that are there and 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 just cooking something in a simple way you know just whether you know, just think about something really easy like green beans or kale or spinach, and how do you make them taste awesome? And you can still prepare them in five to ten minutes, so that people are just like wanting to eat more of that. I mean, that to, what to me is Mediterranean cooking is all about: simple and fantastic. And the fact that it's the healthiest diet on the planet, okay, that's just a bonus. So true. Yeah. Now everyone's hungry listening to the two of us talking about food. The book is called The Mediterranean Method. I'm going to start using some of these recipes because one of my New Year's resolutions for 2020 is to cook more because I realized, you know, like I didn't, I cooked so much. I cooked, I raised four kids and, you know, the youngest one's 19, he's gone now. And so I'd kind of not been cooking because there's no one to appreciate it. And, you know, the thing is, is that I have an appreciative um, partner who loves what I make and is open-minded and will eat what I feed him and do the dishes. So I'm 
totally on it for 2020. Um, it's called the Mediterranean Method, everyone, your complete plan to harness the power of the healthiest diet on the planet, lose weight, prevent heart disease, and more. So Dr. Stephen Masley, tell us where they can find you to follow you, learn more, maybe just mention a few of your other books. Well, for more, they can always go to the website, drmasley.com, D-R-M-A-S-L-E-Y.com, all one word. And I always have like a bonus for signing up. Right now I have, um, if they follow on the website, I, I have a how to get started on a Mediterranean diet quick guide that you could have for all your followers. Um, it you know gives them a list of what you need in the kitchen and how what you should you put in your pantry to get started. So that's my best source. I have a blog. I have free recipes and I share them um, regularly. So in other books, um, besides the Mediterranean method, probably the two favorites were the the 30-day heart tune-up and the better brain solution to go along, which are really complementary to the Mediterranean method. I love it. So we will get the link for that guide for what you need in your kitchen if you're going to adopt a more Mediterranean diet. We'll get that and we'll put it in the show notes. Thanks so much for being with us today, Stephen. Oh, thank you, Robin. It's always a pleasure to get to talk with you. 